You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. We are finishing up our series called Change. This is a discipleship conversation. We are a relational discipleship church, and so we do talk about discipleship. And we want to look at discipleship through the lens of the stories of people experiencing Jesus, experiencing the Holy Spirit, experiencing God for the very first time, and what changes in their lives because of that experience of experiencing Jesus. So that we could see in our friends' lives, or maybe in our own lives, like, oh, God is coming into my life, and this is different, or, or God is coming into my friend's life, and this is different. This is significant. So uh, this has been a five-week series. This is the last uh, sermon. And to start off today's conversation, I want to ask you, why do we eat bacon? Because it's delicious. Yes, that's why. Uh, why? But, but maybe a better question is, is why do we eat bacon and, and, and the Jews don't? Like, why is it okay that we get to eat bacon? I don't know if you've read your Bible, but bacon's kind of a bad deal in some circles. Why do we get to eat bacon? Um, this sermon's not going to tell you why. Uh, I just wanted to ask you that question, but uh, we're going to jump into Acts chapter 10. And, and honestly, people, sometimes I've heard it said that Acts chapter 10 answers that question. And I want to challenge your thinking on that. I want to challenge your thinking on Acts chapter 10. And is this about bacon? I'm so glad we get to eat bacon. <laughs> oh man, I'm hungry already. All right, so let's get through this so we could get to bacon. All right, Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in the vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Your your prayers have made it all the way to heaven. And now send to Joppa and bring one Simon, who's called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. All right, so we're going to take a pause real quick and just talk about Cornelius. He's a, he's a centurion. He's, he's in charge of, of 80 men. Uh, he makes 15 times that of, of, an, of the average soldier. So he's fairly wealthy. Uh, I don't know if anybody in this room makes 15 times what the average person 
of any of the average people in the room make. So that's, I don't know what that's like, personally. <laughs> Even in the military, I didn't, never made that much. Um, and he's identified by Luke as a man who feared God. Now, this is an important distinction because the religious of that time in Jerusalem, uh, there, there were three ways to identify who the religious were. There were the brothers, those who were faithful and ethnically Jewish. There were the children of Abraham, those who were proselytes. And there was the Theosebes. The Theosebes were God-fearers. They were Gentiles. They were favorable to the Jews. They did not obey the 613 laws. Whether they were in or out of heaven was up for debate, probably out from the Jewish perspective. Nice guys, but still out. And they ate bacon because they didn't follow the 613 laws. That is Cornelius. He's a Theosebes. We need to understand that. So again, you had the brothers, the children of Abraham, and the Theosebes. Up to this point in history, human history, church history, everyone who has received Christ as their Lord and Savior has either been a brother, they were faithfully and ethnically Jewish, faithful to the, to the 613 laws and ethnically Jewish, or they were proselytes, uh, the, uh, I could, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch was probably a child, considered a child of Abraham. He was probably a proselyte, not ethnic Jewish, but he followed the 613 laws. More than likely, he was considered a child of Abraham. Cornelius is the first Theosebes that we know of that is experiencing Jesus post resurrection. So we have to understand that to understand the story. Is that clear? Did I make that clear as mud or are we good? Give me some thumbs up if, you're, if, this, if this is making sense. Okay, good. Because this is, this, is, this is important. The next day, uh, the people that were sent to Joppa, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the house about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. Not bacon, mind you, but he did want something. But while they're preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times in the things that were, was taken up at once to heaven. So he has this vision three times. You know, in the Old Testament, we don't see a vision show up more than twice. This is a significant vision. 
Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he has seen might mean, he's, he's not thinking about bacon right now, guys. He could be, but he's not. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry from Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon was called Peter was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, like, he's, like he is truly perplexed. If this was about food, this would be simple. The spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. When Peter went down to the man and said, I am the one you are looking for, what is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who was well spoken by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by the holy angel to send for you and to come to this house and to hear what you have to say. And so he invited them as, to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and they called together all of his relatives and his friends. Cornelius has one vision, and he, he responds immediately. Peter has three, and needs a little bit, bit prompting by the Holy Spirit. Just throw that out there for you. Uh, this, is, this is a big deal for, for Peter. When Peter entered, Cornelius met with him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I, too, am a man. I'm made of, of the same stuff as you. Don't worship me. And he talked with him and went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or visit anyone of another nation. How unlawful it is. Now, is that in the scriptures? No, we'll get to that. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why have you sent for me? Now, I want you to think back a couple weeks. We had a conversation about what it means to be unclean. If you're unclean, you can't, you can't go into the temple. You can't worship. You can't join in the festivals. And there's a lot of things that can make you unclean. And God always makes a way for you to be clean, right? And the woman with the flow, she was considered unclean for 12 years. And Jesus made it possible for her to be clean again. So if you go back two weeks and listen to that sermon if you want to hear more context about what it means to be clean and unclean. That's what this conversation is about. It's not about food. It's not about food. Peter's going to get asked in, in the next chapter, why did you go eat with the Gentiles? And, 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 and not that the food was the issue. When you eat with somebody in that culture you are in agreement with them. Now, what, what is Peter saying when he's saying it's unlawful? 
Again, it's not in the scriptures. This is not scriptural that Peter can't go into a Gentile's home. That's not scriptural. What is scriptural is that you are not to commit idolatry. But what the Jews would do is they would build a fence. So, so let's say you shall not commit adultery. And, and this, is, this is how far you have to go in order to commit adultery. They'd build a fence to, around that law. They would provide a buffer. And they'd say, we're not going to go into any home of an idolater so we don't accidentally practice idolatry. But then they decided that, you know what? Who are the idolaters in the world? Oh, it's the Gentiles. So we're going to move the fence in a little bit tighter. So we are not allowed to go into the home of any Gentile. That's what Peter is talking about. Now, I want to talk about the, the, the vision just a little bit here. Because people talk about this, I've heard this, I grew up with this, that, oh, this is why you and I get to eat bacon, is because of this particular vision. Peter never talks about food. He never talks about food in talking about this vision. He'll recount the whole vision in the next chapter. He'll never mention food once. That's not why you and I get to eat bacon. I'll tell you why when we get to the end, I promise. That's not why we get to eat bacon. This is about how we see people. Now, if you go back to Genesis, uh, I think it's roughly chapter 41. Joseph interprets a dream for two servants of the king, right? They each had their own dream. And oh, by the way, in both those dreams, there's, uh, there's threes involved. Huh. So three visions for Peter in both of these dreams that, that Joseph says that God is the one who holds the interpretation of the dream. It's God who gets to determine the interpretation, not man. And so if we look at the narrative that, that Peter has about this dream and, and go look at first Peter, second Peter, you never find him talking about food or eating. Like he's never, never like guys, we should not see people as unclean and we get to have bacon because bacon is amazing. So, not allowed to go into a Gentile's home was, was where the Jews landed because they were putting fences around the law. Here's the problem. Look at the Great Commission. What does it say? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. How do I do that if I can't enter your home, if I can't be in relationship with you? Like how many times did Jesus say, I'm coming into your house. I'm going to eat with you. How many times did people look at the people that Jesus was interacting with? And they're like, uh, does he not know that they are unclean? The fences were getting in the way of the Great Commission. 
And Jesus wanted to tear down those fences for Peter and the disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all that I command you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This story is about the gospel overcoming class differences. I told you that, that at that time, there, there are three classes of people that worship God. There were, there were the, the brothers, those that were born into this. Uh, maybe you've seen that within the church where, where, where sometimes the church wants to show uh, treat, special treatment to those that are born into the church and look sideways at people that were not born into the church. They, they, they're just coming to Christ and, and, and man, do we trust them? I've seen that happen within churches. Uh, and then you had the proselytes, the children of Abraham. That was the next level. But the people that were probably not even in the kingdom were the Theosebes, the God-fearers, the Corneliuses of the world. Thank you for, for being favorable towards us. But we can't come to your house. The gospel overcomes class differences, cultural differences, race reconciliation. This story is about us moving beyond our prejudices. God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean, or as the NAS uh, translates it, unholy. I should not call any person unholy. So the story continues. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. Now, why is Luke recording all this all over again? Like, didn't we just see this? I want you to notice the next line. So I sent for you once, um, and you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you've been commanded by the Lord. We are all here in the presence of God. See, Cornelius, he's been praying. He's been doing good things. His prayers and his alms have ascended to heaven. They've landed in the throne room. The God of the universe sitting on his throne has paid attention to Cornelius. And now he gets to experience God. My friends, this is what the church is selling. Experiencing God. We're not here to, to, to hand out amazing truths. I mean, like there, there's some amazing truths to be known about our God, about Jesus. But it's, it's actually experiencing him. For, for you to know everything about Jesus and never experience him, man, he says he'll say to those, I never knew you, go away from me. 
And so we, want, we don't want people just to know about Jesus. We actually want to introduce them to the person of Jesus. He's, he's the risen Savior. And he wants to know you and, and experience you. And for you to know him and experience him. Ephesians 2, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He's talking to Gentiles. He's talking to Theosebes, people who fear God. And until they, Christ came into the world, they had no relationship. They had no promises. They had no hope. And this is, my friends, this is where everybody starts. Now, some of us were fortunate enough to be born into a family that knew Christ and we were introduced to Christ early on, but that didn't mean that we would actually experience Christ ourselves. And we can't assume that someone born into our family has actually experienced Christ. We need to introduce them to that experience. You were excluded from God's presence, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. You were excluded from God in your world. But that's changed because of Christ and how amazing that is. So continuing with our story, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. And oh, by the way, neither should we. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good things and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to those of us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead." <clears throat> and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised, the brothers, those who are ethnically Jewish and faithful, the believers from among the circumcised who have been with Peter were amazed. Actually, the fact that Luke says that they were circumcised says they, they were either brothers or children of Abraham. They were following the 613 laws. That's what Luke's saying there. <clears throat> because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Hold just a second. 
Got to get the COVID out of my lungs. Sorry, guys. Probably too soon for that. All right. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then he asked him to remain some days. Now, I want to take note of what we just saw here. We saw the gospel message preached. Uh, when I was taught the gospel, uh, a number of years ago, we, we went down to uh, Mexico uh, multiple years to do missions work. And I was taught how to preach the gospel to people. And it was through Romans Road. I always wondered, what was Jesus preaching you know, when he was preaching the gospel, because Romans wasn't there, right? wasn't written yet. Um, so what was the message? Like that, to me, like that was super important. And what were the early disciples preaching? Because, because I think that's important. Like if we're going to be the church like the first church, if we're going to carry on what they carried on, what, what they passed on to us, we should pay attention to what they say and do, Right. So Acts chapter 2 is a great source, a great sermon. Uh, take, you could take it and you could highlight things. You go, oh, this is, these are the things that Peter talks about. These are probably important. Uh, here's some five things that we could talk about from this story about sharing the gospel. You might want to just take a picture of this. <laughs> it's kind of wordy. I was going to make it really uh, like uh, have five things that all started with P or something like that, but I decided not to do that. That's a very Christian thing to do find a letter and have everything start that way. But uh, Jesus was anointed by God. He was set apart. He's the Messiah. He's the, he's the king that was, that was to come. He's in the line of David. And that's important. The prophets tell us that, that he was to come. You can look at Isaiah 53 through 55. Number two, he did good and brought healing. This is part of the message. Jesus doing good and bringing healing. That's, that's always part of the gospel message when you see Jesus involved or his disciples. That's why we're doing picnic in the park. We're, we're break, building community. We're, we're creating bridges. We're going to the people. We're saying, we value you. We value your, your family. We're going to engage with you. This is why we do this. This is why churches have benevolence programs and, and, and are looking to solve problems and they have uh, just, just the things that the, the churches will do to reach out to the community. It's part of the gospel message. Number three, Jesus died. He was buried and he rose on the third day. He's the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and he's the resurrected savior. We have to talk about that. If we don't talk about number three, we're not sharing the gospel. Number four, we have to be a witness of his power in our lives. That was what was commanded. Go be a witness. Peter witnessed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So he shares that. You and I have witnessed God work in our lives and we should share that with people. As part of the gospel message. And then finally, be baptized. This is where the gospel message lands. 
We have to talk about baptism. Have to talk about baptism. So, some implications from this story. Number one, life changes when you experience the presence of God. Life changes when you experience the presence of God. Now, sometimes truth will change things for you, but God showing up in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your mess, that is when life gets good. And, and, and every, everybody on this planet is going to face hard, challenging things. Every one of us grew up with, with parents that, that made mistakes. Every one of us has, has faced decisions that we wish we could walk away from. Every one of us needs grace. It's the presence of God that changes all those things. Peter changed because of the presence of God. His perspective on, on how to view people, the, the other 99% of the world, you, you realize that the Jewish population makes up about half of a percent of the total population. Can you imagine being so elitist to go, yeah, we're saved and all of them are not? They'll have to come here. They'll have to come to us. Now, I don't know if that's, you know, like, I don't want to be anti-Semitic because I don't think that's true of every Jewish person. And so I don't want to throw out a blanket statement. But, but the building of these fences, and, and we do it within Christianity too, right? Hey, don't, don't dance, don't chew, don't go with girls who do. Um, you know, that's, uh, you know, don't play cards in the church. There, there's, there's been things that we've done within our history to, to act as like, does the Bible say anything about dancing? Yes. Dance before the Lord. Okay. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that we put up fences for ourselves, which, which a fence for myself is not necessarily a bad thing. When I start putting up fences that get in your way of, of, of connecting with God, that's when it becomes a problem. We need to introduce people to that experience of God's presence, though. That's what we're leading people to. Number two, disciples will pay a cost for their allegiance to Jesus. They will pay a cost. We don't think about, we don't talk about the cost that Cornelius paid. But for him to go from a polytheistic worldview to a monotheistic relationship with Jesus Christ is a game changer and probably life-threatening for Cornelius. At that time, the entire Roman world was, uh, had a responsibility to worship Caesar. And in particular, ability, a government official, if you're a soldier, 
you had responsibility to worship Caesar. And if you couldn't maintain that responsibility, if you didn't live up to that, you would pay with your life. There was this Jewish exception. Herod the Great uh, negotiated this with the Caesar because the Jews had helped uh, Caesar win a battle. And so the Jews, the, the half a percent of the world, were the only people group in, in the small corner of the world that, oh, by the way, brought a lot of money to Rome. Uh, they were the only ones that were exempt from Caesar worship. I'm sure the conversation with Herod went something like this. You deserve to be worshiped, Caesar. <clears throat> but you got to understand something. These backwards, redneck people in Israel, they would rather die than worship any other god. And it's going to be bloody, and it's going to cost you a lot of money. Let's give these backwards people the exception. And Caesar said, okay, let's do that. But for Cornelius, a Roman soldier in charge of 80 men, converting like that, that would have been a front to Caesar, to Rome. And if, if Cornelius was under my command, I would not allow for that. Odds are Cornelius paid a heavy, heavy, heavy price for this decision. Jesus says, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Jesus has more to say in Luke 14. If you want to take a look at it, there's, uh, Jesus is throwing down the gauntlet here. Guys, Jesus is more than a savior, he's God. Uh, I think of, uh, think of the song, Love Song for a Savior. Jarza Clay says this, it seems easy to call you savior, but not close enough to call you God. We love the get out of jail, get out of hell free card. But do we want him calling all the shots in our lives? Or are we willing to pay the price to actually be his disciple? For him to actually be our Lord, to actually lead us where we don't want to go? To do things that we're like, are you serious, Lord? Last week's story, Ananias. Are you serious, Lord? Peter. Lord, you know what kind of trouble I'm going to get into when I go back to Jerusalem? And he did. Like they called in the question, Peter's character. Read the first couple of verses of, of, of Acts chapter 11. Like, 
they heard that the Gentiles received the word of God and they're like, Peter, what are you doing? Peter was willing to pay the cost of discipleship, even amongst his own countrymen. Are you willing to pay the cost of discipleship? Number three, discipleship leads us to have conversations we would prefer to avoid. Otherwise, we'll fail to invite in everyone God is calling to himself. God is calling some of you to conversations with your neighbor or your friend or your son or your daughter or your aunt or your uncle. And, and, and you know what conversation I'm talking about. Like it's been aching on your heart. And you're like, are you serious, Lord? I, I had to have that conversation with my dad. I shared about that conversation in care group. Uh, I also shared a conversation with my brother. Uh, my brother and I were not on the best of terms at this point of our lives. We were both still in our uh, early 20s. I, uh, I drank my way out of college, successfully did it in a short period of time. Um, majored in, in, in alcohol and, and girls. And, and uh, Eastern Washington University actually doesn't have that on their... Uh, <sighs> you can't find that degree. Um, they didn't, they didn't think that I was all that stellar of a student and they, they didn't realize how much effort I was putting into this, but they still uh, kicked me out. Um, and I saw, I, I came, I came back to Christ and he was changing me and I saw my brother go down the same path. Have you ever sat and watched someone like you could get, get invited into like their home and, and you're seeing unfold in front of you what you did and you're like, no. That was me with my brother. My brother was going away to the Marines. I didn't know when I'd see it again, him again. It'd be a few years, honestly. I called him up. And I told him what God was doing in my life. And I, I gave him an invitation to receive Christ. I don't think that conversation went so well in the moment. But my brother called me a few years later. He said, I didn't understand it then but I understand it now. Uncomfortable conversation, one that I would rather avoid. Who am I to talk about this? I was walking and praying through the neighborhood over here the other day, uh, last Monday, and uh, I sensed God wanted me to stop at one of the houses that uh, Gordon and I had stopped off a month prior. We met the wife. And we talked with her, and it was a great conversation. I sent her a card a few weeks later and uh, haven't heard from her. She's, she's had my business card. She's, she had a handwritten note from me, no response. And God says, stop off at this house. Awkward. <laughs> Are you serious, Lord? I can't imagine this going well. Um, it did. I'm not that sharp, remember? <laughs> Dull, broken pencil here, but it can be used by God. I, I knocked on the door. Husband comes out. We have a fantastic conversation. I invited him to the 
to the barbecue today, picnic in the park, uh, hoping to see their family there. He seemed really interested. I know his daughter's really interested in going to church. Both the mom and dad said the same thing, that husband and wife in their probably mid to late 30s. Discipleship leads us to have conversations we prefer to avoid. But if we lean into them, we will experience God in the process. And so will they. So will they. My friends, experiencing God, this is what discipleship is about. This is what we live for. We live to experience him in our own lives as we say, yes, Lord, I'll go where you're leading. And we invite others to experience God. Now, if, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, if you haven't experienced him, it starts with a prayer. It, that's how it started with Cornelius. That's, that's what happened with my dad. My dad said, Lord, I think my, my understanding of you is skewed. I need you to teach me who you are. And that started my dad down the path of experiencing God for the rest of his life. A simple prayer, Lord, I need to know you. I want to know you. Help me to understand. Provide the community that will help me to, to experience you. And oh, by the way, we'll be that community. Because we all started that same place, longing to experience God and needing someone to help us. We're going to move into a time of communion. We're going to pass out the elements. Uh, please know that we have an open table, which means if you're here to celebrate Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've said yes to him already, um, please feel free to join us. And no shame if, if you can't. That's okay. While we're passing out the elements, I want you to just contemplate your relationship and your experience with him. What's your experience with him been recently? Have you, have you said yes to him? Or has there been something you've been going, I don't know if I could do that. And because of that, that experience is, is waning. His presence seems further and further away. Take some time to think about your relationship. I said I'd tell you why we could eat bacon. And communion reminds us of the reason why. We are invited into a new covenant. We have entered into a new covenant. And, and communion reminds us of that covenant. We're not under the Mosaic covenant. We're under the new covenant that Jesus established in his blood. That's why as Theosebes, as Gentiles who fear God and love Jesus Christ, we both get to experience him and eat bacon. How amazing is that? I have some selfish later on today too while I'm at it. The Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread when he had given thanks, he broke and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do this. 
In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant. In my blood, do this as often as you drink it and remember me. Let's remember that covenant. Lord, we were once excluded. We were once without hope. We were once without your presence in our lives. But you came to us. You saved us. You are our God. And we worship you. And we want our lives to be a worship. We want our lives to be a worship, to celebrate what an amazing God you are. Thank you. Thank you for giving your life so that we could experience you like this. We love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We are going to celebrate through one more song. Will you join us? Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.